For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade, and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. First off, Randy, how you doing today? Doing great, Jeff. How about you? I am doing fantastic. Excited to be with you here on the radio in the last basket of sanity. And Jake, how's your Saturday morning going? You know, I've got my microphone height adjusted. I'm standing <laughs> on my soapbox and I'm ready. <laughs> okay, well, I always enjoy your uh, speeches on top of the soapbox there, so I can't <laughs> wait to see what you're going to say today. But really excited to be with you. You know, I wake up early on Saturday mornings and I just can't wait to get into the studio and talk to you guys because we have so much to talk about and so much to talk about too the people here of Springfield that can help them get to and through retirement. First off, gentlemen, uh, last week some new information came out. The IRS has adjusted some tax brackets and they've raised the standard deductions. What are the details on those to your knowledge? Yeah, you know, the standard deduction is one of those things that when President Trump brought in his tax changes that have a sunset on them coming up in 2025, meaning that mm. uh, those will kind of go back to a different status. Yeah. Uh, he started by really uh, upping what the personal exemptions were for singles and for married couples. And uh, used to be, you know, you had a lot, a lot lower uh, individual exemptions, and then you figured out what deductions you had. And so this way, it was part of his being able to try to get us to the point where we could do taxes on the back of a postcard, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's where we're supposed to be headed. But anyway, <laughs> I would say that probably nothing is further from the truth, especially with the advent of 87,000 new IRS agents about to hit the streets. Wow. It sounds to me like they're going to be ramping up compliance, if you will, on this. But the long and the short of it is, for married couples, the new standard deduction is going to be $27,700. And for single filers, it'll be $13,850. It comes right off the top of your income before you get taxed. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think it's great, actually. And as you said, this uh, is supposed to sunset in 2025. What was it before Trump did all this, and do you think it'll actually reasonably go back to that, or will there be some sort of sanity that'll happen that will allow it to uh, continue the way it is? You know how quickly we forget, Jeff. I'm trying to remember back over my shoulder what those exemptions were. Maybe four thousand forty-five hundred dollars was what it was. I oh think uh, toward the tail end yeah. for uh, each person in the family. So if it was a husband and wife, and then you had a couple of kids, you would have gotten you know to around twenty thousand. But now the way it works out, just married couples get twenty-seven seven, and a single gets up to thirteen thousand eight hundred and fifty. And that way, you don't even have to have any kids, Randy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's true. <laughs> It'll cost you more to keep those kids, <laughs> then it will the little bit of money that you're going to save. So basically, as you said, 27700 for the married couple, the deduction there, and 13850 for a single person. So those are the standard deductions for married and single filers here that the IRS has put out. And again, this is supposed to sunset in 2025. Who knows what's going to happen then? So hold on to your seats. Also, the IRS has adjusted tax brackets. Can you tell me more about that? 
Yeah, the tax brackets have gone up nicely. We're going to get to make a, basically about 7% more income and stay in the same tax bracket. So, uh, you know, everybody knows there's been a little bit of inflation around the uh, countryside here. I would say that, you know, Jeff, if we were to ask people for a consensus on what inflation really is, mm-hmm. I think it would be a different number than what the government has been portraying to us. Oh, yeah. What would you think about that? I would say you're entirely accurate. I mean, the CPI, this cost of living increase that we got with Social Security, it's based on the CPI, is really rather low. But I think that what they're reporting with inflation has to be at least a couple of percent less, if not more, than what it actually is. What's your opinion? Yeah, I would agree with that. In fact, if you talk to people, you know, I mean, food especially is one of those things that's way up. I mean, when you go in and it's a dollar item, a 99-cent item that's gone to a dollar twenty. Right. Hmm, let me think about that. That would be 21% yeah. or 20% for sure, well, right? Well, and I also think, like, if you think about, you know, I, I'm a pizza guy. I like pizza a lot. Right. So Domino's, you know, for many, many years has run a deal where they get five ninety nine for mm-hmm. a pizza or pasta or dessert or whatever. So recently that went to six ninety nine. Right. So that's basically $6 to $7, mm-hmm. right? Which is much more than an 8% increase. If you look at food, especially, like Randy said, there's it's very easy to see that the inflation on food is much, much higher than what they're reporting. You know, I would say food inflation over the last year has to be nearly 30%. It would shock me if it was truly less than that. I don't know where they get these numbers. I don't know. Uh, on what food costs, but I mean, I do technically know where they get these numbers, but it doesn't add up to me. Um, I guess maybe a better way to say it. I just can't think of anything that is only up 8%, but all that being said, I do think that the eight and a half or eight point seven percent increase on Social Security and all these tax brackets moving up and the standard deduction moving up, you know, all that is really a big win for most of the people listening to this show right now. If you make less than a hundred thousand dollars a year combined marital income, this is a huge win. If you're at one hundred and fifty and less, it's still a pretty big win. So right. I think. You know, not not that, you know, usually I, I don't disappoint in, in the doom and gloom on this show, but I will say that, um, you know, this is one ray of sunshine lately that we've seen here. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I'd like to throw in here, Jeff, too, is one of the things I want to kind of drill down on here in a minute is just to really look at income composition. Mm-hmm. In other words, how does your income come in? What does it come in from and how that's going to affect taxation? And then, believe it or not, Jeff, I mean, you know me, I, I'm not a bullet point person at all. Right. Uh, actually, I, actually, I am. But uh, anyway, I have about 10 bullet points that I would like to cover over the next two hours here while I have people <laughs> and their undivided attention. <laughs> three just, hours. I'm three just hours. kidding. Two or three, uh, okay. We won't, we won't go that far. But I do have 10 <laughs> key points that I think everybody should consider as they're looking to retire, taking income, what those income sources look like. And, you know, figuring out how much tax they want to pay, because we do have quite a bit of control over how much tax we pay and when we pay it. All right. And that is very good news, too. So you'll be here for about another three hours. Okay. Well, Jake and I are going to go fishing here in about an hour. So anybody wants to come over to Floyd Financial Group, I guess Randy will be there talking about those things. You are listening to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd here of Floyd Financial Group. Getting back to what you were talking about with inflation there, Jake, I had to point this out too. I'm with you. I can't find anything that is only up 8%. Gasoline in particular. Now, I have a chance to travel around the country every once in a while. And I know that in the greater Los Angeles area, the gasoline is as much as $7 a gallon, depending upon where you go here in the last basket of sanity. Somewhere around half that. My sister has a home in uh, Middle Tennessee, and uh, they're complaining because it's all the way up to $3.19. So 
there's a great <laughs> difference in gasoline prices across the country. And I think people get upset at the retailer. They get upset at the supermarket. How could you raise these prices so much? But really, they're just passing along what they have to pay. Is that correct? Well, a lot of it, too, is the taxes. Of right, those right, areas right. That you mentioned, right? You know, L.A., New York, Seattle, all those places have exorbitant gas taxes, right? Right, exactly. And so they wonder why it's high. Well, it's high because the government is, you know, feeding off of it over there. And I think that, you know, a lot of the citizens in those areas have just about had it. You mm-hmm. know, we're seeing massive floods of people, right. wealthy people, moving to Texas and, and Florida <clears throat> right. because the environment is so much friendlier there. You know, in, in California, if you make a bunch of money, you have a 12% state tax. Oh, yeah. So it's not enough that you're already paying nearly 40% to the Fed. you got to pay 12% to the state. You got to pay more at the pump. You got to pay more for everything. And I think, you know, people are getting sick of that crap and I don't blame them. I would, I would be, of course, I would never move out there to begin with, but right. you know, I would definitely be exiting if I was there as well. I think that really plays a lot into the the gas price over there is, is, you know, they're paying a buck 20, buck 30, just in taxes alone mm-hmm. on top of that. Now we have some taxes on our stuff too, that helps us to pay for roads and things like that, but it's not these gigantic numbers like they have over there. Yeah, there is a great outflux of people fleeing places like Los Angeles and San Francisco, the entire state of California. They're going to a couple of different places. I was uh, reading uh, actually last night that a lot of people are going over to Nevada and those places, but they have a huge water shortage there. And so they're contributing to the water shortage. I mean, this is a water shortage that they haven't seen in like 1,200 years. And then for those people who are watching uh, Yellowstone on Paramount, they're going out to places like Montana and driving the price is up there. So I guess the grass is always greener on the other side. Let's talk a little bit more about taxation now. Uh, Randy, you had mentioned before we went on the air that there's income that's taxed, there's tax deferred, and there is tax exempt. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Sure. So, you know, it's important that people understand that, you know, they do have an ability to affect their taxation and how that tax is going to be paid looking forward. Now, obviously, we can't project forward and know exactly what tax rates are going to be. We obviously, too, cannot for sure predict whether or not the Roth IRA will continue to be something that will be used in the future or not. But under current setups, we know that there's things that we can do to, again, mitigate taxes. So one of the things I'd like to talk about here is, you know, we have things that are tax current. So what's a tax current situation? Well, Jeff, your current income that you receive is tax current because they're going to withhold taxes and things as you get your money. Unless you have them withhold too little, then they'll have to come back for more later. But you're going to pay those taxes as you go. Also, if you go to the bank and you invest in a CD, uh, you're going to get a 1099 at the end of the year each year, and you're going to pay your taxes on that. So you've paid the taxes on your gain there each year, unless that is an IRA CD, which we will talk more about the fact that we've got some tax deferred investment investments like IRAs. Then we're going to talk about we have tax-exempt investments. And then we also have those that have some other uh, qualifications that go along. But tax current stuff just basically means, hey, I'm paying the taxes every year on these assets. So I really know that it's going to drive my primary federal tax and, and, and state tax rate. Then we get into things called tax-deferred investments. So tax-deferred investments are generally 401ks, IRAs, 403Bs if you work for a nonprofit organization, maybe a 457 plan if you're a government-type entity that you work for. 
We have the thrift savings plans that uh, you have at a lot of the federally uh, funded setups. And then we've got state and local stuff. Like here in Missouri, we got Mosers, we got loggers, you know, we got several different setups here. And then within your employer plans, you have two setups, which is a lot of those I just described, those 457s, 401ks, 403bs, sometimes offer a Roth option, which is a setup where you can put money into your retirement account today and you don't get a current tax deduction versus your typical 401k, 403b, or IRA. You're going to get a tax deduction today. So the Roth gives you an advantage in the future, not today. You pay taxes currently today, but in the future, after five years and 59 and a half, you get to pull all that money out tax-free on those. So we have tax current, things that we pay on right now, Mm -hmm. so that we don't have a building tax burden in the future. We have tax deferred, which is like traditional IRAs and 401ks where we get tax breaks today, but any money we pull out in the future is all taxable. And then we have the variation called the Roth of that, if you will. And those don't give us any current tax benefits, but after five years and 59 and a half will give us ongoing tax benefits in retirement and beyond. We're talking about taxes and tax advantage investment strategies with Randy and Jake here at Floyd Financial Group. Glad you could join us on Show Me the Money for this fine Saturday morning. If you are looking to get a financial plan, maybe you've got a financial plan, you want a second look at that. But if you do not have a financial plan and you'd like to get one, it's entirely complimentary, no cost, no obligation, no judgment at Floyd Financial Group to get yours. Call 417-889-7233. That's 417-889-7233. Or you can always request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money when our show continues here on my favorite station, 104.1 FM, KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Back with your financial catch of the day, and it's a big one. Here's more Show Me the Money radio with your host, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake Floyd. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be continuing to talk about different tax strategies and tax statuses. We talked about tax current, tax deferred. Jeff, I think we'll talk about tax exempt, if that's okay. Yeah, I love tax exempt. And I'm sure that everybody's really excited to wake up this morning and talk about taxes here on the radio. You know, taxation, this is something that I think is very important that we brought up here, is that taxation isn't just something that you think about in uh, the first quarter of the coming year. Taxation is something that you've really got to consider all year long, and it is a major part of anybody's financial plan, your investment plan, is the taxes that you're going to pay. So uh, let's move on to our next topic here as far as taxes go. Randy, I know that you had 10 key points. What's the next one? Well, the next one would be tax exemptions or or tax exempt investments, if you will. So Mm -hmm. what's tax exempt? So everybody knows, or I say everybody knows, municipal bonds are one of those things that can be federally tax exempt and can be state tax exempt if you invest within the state in which you live. The other thing that we have some tax exemptions on that we'll talk about a little bit is if you have a state-funded pension program, many times you can escape taxation up to around $100,000 at the state level, not the federal, but at the state level on your pension. So when we start looking at those things and add those up, that can be a significant savings in taxes. So what are municipal bonds? Well, municipal bonds, to give you an example here in Springfield, the Chesterfield Swimming Pool and Workout Center Mm -hmm. is a type of municipal bond. It's called a revenue bond. And the revenue bond basically says, 
hey, we want to build this thing. The city of Springfield says, we want to build this workout center. We want you guys to fund it. We'll pay you some interest. And at the end of the time, once we got it paid off, you get all your money back. And it still produces revenue then for the city while providing a valuable service. So those can be tax exempt when you get those type of income streams from those investments. Now, there's one thing that needs to be considered. Even if you have a tax-exempt income stream from a municipal bond, if you, in fact, sell that bond at a capital gain, which would be hard to do right now since most municipal bonds around the country lost between 10 and 15% last year, mm. even after getting their dividend, their, yeah. their, their coupon payment, their interest payment. You know, if you do sell those for a capital gain, which has happened, you will pay taxes on the gain, not on the income. So we talked about two different things that can be tax exempt. That is local and government pension programs. And then also we talked about municipal bond investing. That can be a tax exempt income stream for you. So the next thing we want to talk about that really works out to be sort of like a tax exemption is when we pass property as a result of our death. So Jeff, Mm -hmm. let's say that you own a farm and over your lifetime, that farm has grown from a value of $100,000 to $500,000. And let's say that one day you wake up and you're really feeling generous. I don't know if you'd ever feel this generous or not, but (laughs) let's say that I'm I'm your son and you want to give me this farm. So Uh you had paid $100,000 for that farm and today it's worth $500,000. 500000 You give that to me today, what happens to the taxation when I sell that farm? Well, I well, would think happens? that you've got a $400,000 increase there, it appears to me. That's right. You got a $400,000 capital gain. Capital gain. And since you gave that to me while I was alive, mm-hmm. I now, when I sell that, have to pay you know, that $400,000, unless I sell it for 600000 in the future, then guess what? I got a $500,000 capital gain that I have to pay on. Right. Whereas if I do some planning and pass that as a result of, you pass it to me as a result of your death, mm-hmm. I get a step up in basis to current market value. So if it was 100000 you paid, when you pass away, it's worth five hundred, and I sell it. I don't owe any capital gains on that difference. Now, that's current law. There's been some talk here over the last couple of years under the new administration. They want to do away with step up in basis and just make it go back to original basis, that 100000 versus the five hundred, and pay the capital gains tax. But right now, it's really sort of an exemption that you get in that step up in basis. And let me say this, too, about that. If you have a husband and wife and one passes away, we do get currently a 50% step up in basis. And that works basically on everything from farms to houses to rental property to stock to bonds, all those things, it applies to each of those different asset classes as to how step up in basis works. So grandma, please don't give me your house. Wait until you pass away because you're going to eliminate the step up in basis. And hopefully, I know that this was on the chopping block for a while there, but hopefully there are other pressing issues now. Maybe they've forgotten about this. What do you think? I doubt that they've forgotten about it. I think they had a lot of other fish to fry, but I'm thinking after November, they're going to have fried their fish. Uh Uh-oh. Well, we'll uh, wait and see, but that would be a shame if the step-up in basis went away because it really does prohibit a lot of people from inheriting things like family farms, you know. It would be nice to keep those in the family, but if you just can't pay the taxation on those because we don't have a step-up in basis, you really have no other choice. We're talking about tax-exempt investment strategies with Randy and Jake here of Floyd Financial Group. 
Randy, when it comes to uh, real estate, there's something called the 1031 exchange, which is really just an IRS tax code, which says that you can exchange one property for another. Can you explain more about that and how it applies to tax advantage investment strategies? Sure thing. So the 1031 exchange is a way, Jeff, to basically, uh, you're going to love this term, kick the can down the road on my (laughs) tax bill. Right, right. right. (laughs) It's basically what it amounts to. So let's say that I have had rental property for a number of years and I've had it long enough to where we depreciate a lot of our expense off and we've uh, helped save taxes on our personal tax level by you know taking all the deductions we possibly can if we decide to sell those properties some of the deductions we've taken are subject to what's called recapture meaning mm-hmm. we have to go back and actually pay taxes on some of that money that we actually deducted. Now, let's say that we get to a point to where we no longer like our rental property and we want to move and have some other land asset other than the current rental properties that we have right now. We can do what's called a 1031 exchange where we exchange the current property we have for the new property. Now, you have to be careful on this. It has to pretty much be dirt for dirt. You can't do it with other asset classes like stocks and bonds and that sort of thing. And you also have to go into this with your eyes wide open because you have to have what's called a qualified intermediary in Mm -hmm. between you and and, you know, that next property, someone that's qualified to do that, someone that's actually set up to do that, not just because, hey, I'll be your qualified intermediary. You know, it doesn't work that way. They, yeah. It's generally going to be through a title company or somebody like that that's really designed to hold monies and do things like that and make sure that everything gets done properly. And you have a limited uh, amount of time, generally six months, to complete the transaction. So it's not one of these things where you want to go out and say, hey, I'm going to sell my rental properties. And then after the fact, gee, wouldn't it have been nice to do a 1031 exchange. No, you got to go in with your eyes wide open and mm-hmm. ready to do it and have everything set up on the front end so that you don't breach any of the IRS laws so that you do, in fact, get to kick the can down the road on those capital gains taxes. And it is so important to have a qualified intermediary because if you do not have one, you can blow the entire deal. So even if you're thinking about doing a 1031 exchange, you should uh, consult Floyd Financial Group to make sure that you do it the right way. Now, with this 1031 exchange, they call it a like-kind exchange, but you use the example of, let's say, residential rental property. You don't have to exchange it for another residential rental property. Really, it's sort of a broad-term exchange, isn't it? It is pretty broad, and I, I will tell you this much. I am not a professional at 1031 exchanges, but I know people here in town that are, that can help people if this is something that they're looking to do, that are qualified intermediaries. But yes, there's a there's quite a bit of latitude as to what you can trade for. You can trade for rental for a, for a business property. There's just right. lots of things that you can do. But again, it basically has to be what I call dirt for dirt. Real yeah, estate right, for real right. estate is kind of the way that I think of it when I think of the 1031 exchange. So for a lot of people that are maybe our business owners and people that have rental property, whether that be commercial mm-hmm. or residential, this is something, if you haven't heard of it, it's something you might want to consider, you know, if you're looking to make a change. Or maybe even, maybe you've decided to move and you have rental property in one city and you'd like to have rental property in another city, you can sell and exchange and save yourself some taxation that way. So if there are active landlords who are listening to us this morning, you've got some rental properties and you're getting up there in age, you're getting tired of the toilets and the tenants and the the trash and the taxes and all that sort of thing. 
you may want to look into the 1031 exchange. As you said, it's possible to exchange that dirt for dirt. You could exchange that rental property for almost anything that is technically, I guess, on dirt. Could be such things as storage units and any number of different things. But of course, it is very important to remember you've got a QI or qualified intermediary right there in between. And again, if you uh, are interested in doing this, highly encourage you to talk to the folks at Floyd Financial Group so that you do it just right. We're talking about tax advantage investment strategies with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. Randy, being that we've talked about uh, exchanges here, the 1031, I understand there's something called the 1035 exchange. What is that? Sure. The 1035 exchange is similar to 1031, except that it deals with life insurance and annuity contracts and our ability to transfer and maintain tax deferral on earnings that we have built up inside those contracts. So let's say that you've got a life insurance policy that's got $100,000 in cash value built up inside of it, or let's say that it's an annuity contract that has $100,000 worth of growth. Well, we don't want to just pull that money out, have to pay the tax, and then go reinvest that money someplace else. So what we would do is we have the ability to do a 1035 like-for-like exchange for life insurance or annuity. Uh, We can also go from life insurance to annuity or annuity to annuity, but not annuity to life. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have to because we're having to maintain a tax status. The government doesn't want to get ultimately, you know, they don't want to be left out of their taxable gain that they're entitled to their taxes on, but they want to make sure that we can at least do an exchange if we do like for like. So what it boils down to is, you know, if you come in, you say, you know what, there's another investment over here that's an annuity or a life insurance contract that I like better than the one I currently have. We can help you to navigate a 1035 exchange and not pay taxes on those gains. The theme of our show this morning is tax advantage investment strategies. Of course, talking with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group right here in Springfield. And if you've missed any part of the show, you want to hear it all over again. Once again, we are a podcast. Simply go to wherever you get your podcast. Search Show Me the Money, Randy and Jake Floyd, and you'll find a number of shows right there. There's bound to be one that applies to you. And if you're listening to the program this morning, you like what you've heard, you would like to get in and sit down with Randy and Jake at Floyd Financial Group, sort of kick the tires and get a complimentary, no cost, no obligation, no judgment financial plan. Again, it's not going to cost you a dime. Leave your checkbook at home. Call 417-889-7233. That's 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And continuing in our tax vein, Jeff, we're going to talk about our personal residence exemption. That's right, Randy. And a lot of people are thinking, well, you know, we're thinking about moving. We're thinking about downsizing. We're maybe thinking about going from the farm into the city to be closer to medical care. And that brings up the question about personal residence exemption. What is it currently, Randy? So basically for a married couple, every two years, if that's your personal residence, now it can't be, you know, your resort property or it can't be uh, your condo at the lake. It's got to be your personal residence. And if you live there two years out of the last five, you know, you are able to claim a personal exemption up to $500,000 in growth. So this is a way for people that have lived on the farm for many, many years mm-hmm. uh, and they have a, a large amount of growth or that that property maybe went from from 100,000 like we talked about earlier to 500,000 
This is a way for them, if they want to move to town, sell that property, and not have to pay a bunch of taxes, and actually give their kids still a step up in basis is one way to think of it as they move to town. It's a way to do that, so it helps everybody by being able to do that. Now, there are some limits as to what you can do as far as how much land and how big that farm can be as to what you can actually get away with here in some cases. But for the most part, just suffice it to say that every couple of years we do get that exemption, and that's something that everybody should consider especially, you know, as we have a lot of retirees today that are also wanting to retire and maybe work part-time, one of the things that may become a thing again is where people go out and actually buy a property, live in it for a couple of years while they fix it, sell it, and move on to the next one. There was a whole group of people that did that for a very long time, and that's something that will probably be an opportunity again. Yeah, those uh, shows called Flip or Flop or whatever they're called on HGTV, that's exactly what they do. So it could be an answer for you. And again, this is your personal residence. That's the exemption that you get. It's got to be your personal residence. Can't be a rental property, can't be a resort property, something like that. And personal residence, I mean, let's say that I live in this for seven months a year, but I've got a resort property someplace else. Is that still considered your personal residence if you live somewhere else, uh, let's say for five months or so? Nope. I mean, here's what's going to happen. I mean, there's two things that happen. Number one, if you're going to have a long-term capital gain in a property, you need to live there more than 12 months. Okay. The other thing is, if otherwise, it's going to be a short-term capital gain, and it's going to be taxed as ordinary income. So that's an important distinction that you bring up there, Jeff, for sure. And so as people go out and they and they think about doing this, it's important that they understand the two-year rule, the one-year rule, and the less-than-one-year rule. So it's really, I mean, this is almost a step up in basis, isn't it? I mean, it works very much the same way. Yeah, it's very close. And really, it gives a person the flexibility, like we talked about, to be able to move in from maybe the country where they've lived their life, but they want to be closer to medical care. It's a way for them to, number one, extract the cash out of what they have now, pay for a property in town, maybe even have some cash left over to invest. And of course, it brings up the current market value for that new property. So when they pass that to their beneficiaries, they may or may not owe much in capital gains tax when they sell that property. And always interested in saving taxes wherever we can. We want to pay our fair share, but not one red cent more. When we're talking about taxes, I do want to salute Rod Link here, who uh, works with you in taxes. Tell the people what Rod does. Yeah, Rod's what's called an enrolled agent, and Rod goes to training every single year. In fact, many times I call him around the first part of the year or even over the summer, and he'll say, I can't talk right now. I'm in a tax seminar. I'm thinking, (laughs) man, that's got to be boring. No, but anyway, (laughs) but he always comes back with incredible information, cutting edge information. He does all of our tax work here for us, for our different LLCs and things that we operate and does a lot of work for our clients here. He spends one day a week here in the office helping our clients that need help with with what I would call more complex tax planning. He owns a company in Nixa called Professional Accounting and Tax, and he has a staff of people down there that do what I would call the more simplified tax plans. But if you have a business or if you have, uh, you know, some capital gains, if you've sold a business and you have some extenuating circumstances, he's really good at helping to look through those things and navigate what you might need to do to have the very best tax outcome. And uh, I will just say this, he's creative. He doesn't go outside the law, but he takes us right up to the edge of it, which is where I want him to be. Well, we certainly want to salute Rod Link, and I'm glad he's part of the Floyd Financial Group team. We're talking about tax advantage investment strategies with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. Randy, let's move on and talk about effective use of tax deductions. Okay, great. So... 
you know, everybody gets the standard marital deduction. Right. Uh, and, you know, it used to be, Jeff, people would buy a house and things, and they say, hey, now I get the tax benefit and the tax write-off of buying a house, right? Right. And so, uh, but anymore, that isn't necessarily true. Now, with the interest rates here of late, it's getting closer to true with the average house being about $400,000 and a mortgage rate today of seven, yeah. you're going to pay $28,000 in interest right. on that house the first year. And let's see, the personal exemption is twenty-seven-seven for this year. So you might get an additional $300 deduction because you had a 7% mortgage. But suffice it to say, there's other ways to get tax deductions. So one of those would be if you are into charitable giving, now you got to give a lot these days to be able to reach the twenty-seven-seven because you don't get it above the line like you used to. It's now a maximum of like three or $600 per year. And so uh, tax exemptions and things for church are not quite like they used to be and for charities are not quite like they used to be. But effective tax deductions work out like this. If you have a small business, you obviously have lots of things you could tax deduct. If you have a farm, there's many things that you get to tax deduct. So charity, having a farm, having a business, those are great tax deductions, but also funding retirement accounts. So if you're a small business owner, you have lots of options. You can do a traditional IRA if you're over 50 and you're married. For you and your wife, you can fund up to $7,000 per year in there. And I would say that here soon we'll get another update on those, and those might go above the seven thousand, but that's currently what they are if you're over 50. You can also fund traditional IRAs. Remember, traditional gets you the benefit today, where the Roth IRA most likely will get you no tax benefit today, but will give you tax benefit after five years and 59 and a half all the days of your life. Then, of course, if you're working a job for wages, you'll have your 401k, 403b, 457, depending on where you work, that will give you the opportunity to have tax deduction and save some taxes there. Also, sometimes you have the ability to fund a Roth IRA inside your employer plan. Remember this, that when you fund your Roth with your contributions, your employer, if they do a match, is going to fund that with pre-tax dollars, meaning that when you leave there, you're going to have a Roth 401k or 403b or 457 as well as a traditional because they're going to get the tax deduction for the match that they put in there. So I would just always tell people this, the best thing that you can do when you're looking at at tax strategies and tax planning is to start earlier rather than later. One of the things that comes up in many, many conversations that we have here is we have $500,000 in a traditional 401k IRA. Should I do a Roth conversion? And that really is something that is different for each and every person. I will tell you this, that if you've got a large IRA and you're really close to retirement, many times it does not. I'm going to say that again. It does not make sense to convert to a Roth IRA. However, there are times that it does. So I think it's probably worth the conversation and having Rob maybe run us a calculation to see what makes sense for you. If you are 50 and under, you really need to be looking at what are the options? How much money do I make today? Am I better off to fund a traditional IRA because I'm in a 40% tax bracket today? Mm -hmm. If you are, uh, and what am I going to be in later? It may be a 20% tax bracket. What makes the most sense? Do I need to fund the Roth today? Do I need to uh, save as much in taxes as I can right now? And later, maybe look at doing a Roth conversion. The thing about Roth conversions is, I will say this, you need time to make those really work effectively for you. So if you're 50 and under, you got a lot of money in, you know, IRAs, that sort of thing. If you've got a 401k that you've left behind at a former employer, it might be something that would be really ripe for the plucking and doing a Roth conversion on some of that money. 
And Randy, here we are in the doorstep of November. It is late October and we're talking about taxes. And I think that really that illustrates the point that most people do not think of charitable giving and uh, taxes until it is way towards the end of the year. But really tax planning is something that you should begin probably at least in January. I mean, it, it really is an all year thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know, Rod told me one time, he said, what I really hate is when people bring in a box, plop it on my desk and say, be gentle. (laughs) Yeah. He said, you know, the deal is it's a foregone conclusion. What has happened has happened, and there's not much you can do now. Right. You might be able to fund, you know, an IRA or something like that because you have until, you know, tax day of the following year to fund those. But most of the damage has already been done at that point in time. So I would just encourage people, you know, let's think about where we want to go tax-wise. Let's think about how how we want to structure assets today because many times by the time people hit our doorstep if they're 65 or 66 or 63 pretty much you know there's some stuff we can do to mitigate taxes but a lot of that is something we just have to learn to deal with whereas we could orchestrate it a little better on the front end i do think too randy that you know we do have quite a few people that that we have different piles of money that come in they say you know I want to retire at 62, not 65, or even, you know, 58 or something like that. And there are, I don't want people to think that there's just nothing they can do because there's a lot of people out there that do have some flexibility where many people don't know this, but if you retire early, you obviously are going to have to deal with the health insurance situation if you've been relying on an employer plan. And so where we take that money from can really impact what potential subsidy we get for health insurance on Obamacare or uh, a number of other things. Even if you're back to the capital gains thing even if you're already retired and you're on medicare it can affect your medicare part b premiums things Mm -hmm. like that so there's definitely things to consider i don't want it to sound like we're you know that there's nothing to consider but like he said a lot of times if we can plan ahead of time then our results will be better for it yeah and i think the takeaway here is to be proactive when it comes to taxes not reactive Plan those taxes all year round, and there's no better time than towards the first of the year just to make sure that you're taking advantage of all the uh, tax opportunities that you can. We're talking with Randy and Jake here, Floyd Financial Group. We're talking about tax advantage investment strategies here in our show this morning. Once again, you've got questions. You want to get in and get your complimentary, no cost, no obligation financial plan with Randy and Jake. Quite simple to do. Call 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at Floyd financialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. Glad you could join us on this fine Saturday morning. We hope you're having a great one. We're going to be taking a quick break here, gentlemen. When we come back, we'll wrap things up for this Saturday morning when our show continues here on 104.1 FM KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. People of the Ozarks, step away from the fishing pole and prepare to be shown the money because we're back with more Straight Talk with Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Randy and Jake. This is Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about all of the decisions and the uncertainty on the horizon. That's right. And as we were talking off the air, uncertainty really, I think, bothers people more than knowing what's going to happen. So where do we want to start with this? Let's start with interest rates, I guess. Do we see any more hikes the rest of the year? So most likely, Jeff, in my opinion, we're going to see another 75 basis Mm. points and then another 75 basis points wow. in December. So so five days from now, uh, on the 2nd of November, is when they're going to make the next decision. And so I think it's pretty much a foregone conclusion they're going to raise 75 basis points. Now, 
where it starts to kind of get interesting here is all year long, we've been looking at three and a half to four and a half percent on the federal funds rate. And now it's almost upon us, you know, so we've been looking at it from far out, but now we're pretty much there. So the question is, the Fed is going to have to set expectations looking forward very soon because we're almost at the destination. And how they set those expectations is going to be extremely important to markets, to asset prices, home prices, things like that. And so I think really, again, I don't think whether he hikes 50 or 75 or even 100 basis points is really that big a deal on Wednesday. What's really a big deal is what he says between the lines, how he answers questions during his 45-minute press conference after the decision. Everybody's going to be analyzing and overanalyzing and trying to pin him down to give us answers. And he is going to do everything he can to not get pinned down and to not give us answers. But there's still mm-hmm. going to be some leaks. There's going to be some information he gives. And how he answers those questions is going to be absolutely just huge. It's hard to overstate. That's why it's so important to have a plan in place, especially if you're getting close to or in retirement, to have a plan in place that works no matter what comes out of his mouth. If he comes out and says, hey, we're going to take this interest rate, it's at four now, we're going to take it to 4.75, and I don't see us stopping until six and a half. If he says something like that, the market is going to tank. But if we have the proper plan in place, we have the protections necessary to weather that storm, we're going to be in good shape. If you're younger and you're listening to this, we talked a little bit about this last week, but if you're younger, if you're 55 or younger and you're five or more years from retirement, every time the market goes down, I want you to do a little fist pump (laughs) because you're able to fund that much more, that much cheaper. When you want the market to be at a peak is when you're just about to retire. So anything short of just about to retire, the lower the market is, the more shares you're buying. So just keep doing what you're doing. Keep getting your match. You know, do as much as you can, especially in times of turmoil. You know, there's a saying on Wall Street says, be in there buying when there's blood in the streets, especially when some of it's yours. And there's a lot of truth to that if you are not nearing retirement. If you're nearing retirement, discretion is the better part of valor. But again, all this to say, there's a lot of uncertainty and it really pays to have, you know, a second opinion or somebody to look at what you're doing and say, Hey, you know, here's some suggestions. It's not our goal to turn everything on its head, but it's good to have a plan in place. Okay. What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? And we can kind of go down that road and say, all right, I think we're covered. And, and as long as we have that plan in place that takes care of it, no matter what happens, then you can sleep at night and then you can know that retirement is going to be secure. And I sort of liken it to the three little pigs. I mean, Jerome Powell is huffing and puffing, and he's uh, raising those interest rates. But if your house (laughs) is built properly, he's not going to be able to blow it down. This financial storm will not affect you if you have the proper plan. Is that about right? That's right. And I think, you know, that kind of brings us to the next thing is, you know, non-financially speaking, which this will still affect us a lot financially, but, you know, we have midterms just a week later. Right. Uh, Not even a week later. And I think... You know, the outcome there is going to be really big, and I'm sure there's been no shortage of talk on the radio about mm-hmm. the elections and all that kind of thing. So I don't want to get too political, but at the same time, there is potential for both sides to revolt after this. Interesting, <laughs> the, yeah. The tensions are high, and people are going to get their nose out of joint probably one way or the other. So again, that plan, having the plan in place and making sure that we're ready for that. It's really hard to overstate the importance. 
But I think we're really due for a change. I mean, you said you didn't want to get political. I'll get a little political. Do you think that it is time for a change? And do you think that if there is a change, that that will maybe put us on the right path sooner than later? Well, Jeff, you know, as much as the Democrats are trying to downplay right now how uncomfortable the general public is with what's going on, because I heard it yesterday or a couple of days ago as I was coming in, Joe Biden was saying, well, the country wants us to continue in what we're doing. You know, oh. And I'm like, really? Yeah. Really? I mean, you, you think so? Yeah. I don't think I've met yeah. anybody he that's, said, that said that. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And he said, you know. The Republicans are going to crash the economy. I'm just thinking about all this stuff that really just says to me that they're scared, you know. Yep, they're uh, sweating. I think, Jeff, to answer your question a little more directly, I think uh, I was ready for a change day one when this thing <laughs> yeah. started to go toward the Democrats. So I don't know if I'm the right person to answer the, uh, that question, but I yeah. I agree with Randy that uh, they're they're covering pretty hard right yeah. now. I think Pocahontas and uh, uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, Elizabeth Warren <laughs> and uh, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are all just, I don't know how they can always be on the wrong side of everything, but they've mm. done a pretty complete job of it. I do have to say that I love all of Trump's nicknames for everybody. The sleepy <laughs> Joe Biden, the, the crooked Hillary, the Pocahontas. I, I have to say that I think, uh, and I know I'm probably going to get in trouble, but I really think those are really just terms of endearment, you know. Uh, yeah, I really well, like those. It was entertaining. Let's put it that way. You never knew what was going to happen next. We're talking with Randy Jake here, Floyd Financial Group, about what to expect here in the coming months. And of course, we did talk about interest rates. We've talked about the election to get out and vote. And then Christmas is going to be upon us here. I mean, traditionally, Christmas time here we get into Thanksgiving at Christmas time, doesn't pretty much everybody sort of slow down and relax and sort of put a lot of this stuff out of their minds, but should they? Yeah, that's a good question, Jeff. I think that yes, people do, and people, you know, want to kind of slow down, like you said, and take stock of what the year has been, and all of a sudden we focus on family and we have a lot to be thankful for, even though it's been a trying nearly couple of years here. Yeah, I I think you're right. But, you know, many times we still see a little what we call Santa Claus rally into the end of the year. And I don't know if that's in the cards for this year or not. I would almost say that, yeah, it probably is. Because I think in general, uh, once this election is passed, and I think we're going to get uh, a favorable result to the Republican side. I think even some of the left is tired of the left at this point. Right, and they're ready right. to, to put things back right, if you will. Um, <laughs> and so I, I think that if we have a good successful election here, I think it will perk up some people and uh, really give people a breath and say, okay, boys and girls, now it's time to run in yeah. 2023. I think we might also see the culmination of spending I think we might see a new high in some of these inflation numbers because people are racking the credit cards up as hard as they can right Mm. now. You know, we're having record credit card interest. Interesting. um, And people are just not stopping. People are just raking the card, raking the card. And and that obviously is going to hit its high post Black Friday when these people are shopping for Christmas presents and those types of things. And they're like, you know, let's let's have one more good Christmas and then we'll get serious. We'll tighten our belts in the new year. So I agree with Randy. I think that we're going to see sales will probably be high and unaffected. Right. But what that really means is, is that the Fed is not done. The Fed has not corrected the problem yet. So we're going to see record high spending at the same time as the Fed's trying to bring the spending down. And it's costing the consumer more than it ever has or 
maybe almost ever has in the past. And so the culmination of that is going to make for a really interesting first quarter, first half 2023. Well, you talked about people racking up that credit card debt. I've gone exactly the opposite. I mean, I've taken the credit cards out, put them away because I'm afraid of using those. I don't want to be spending money today that I may have to finance it at high rates tomorrow. I mean, who wants to, you know, pay 30% for a meal that you ate two years ago? So I've gone to a largely cash basis or at least using a debit card. Am I just weird for doing that? Well, I think that most of the people listening to the show are probably in the same boat. The conservative American is looking at this going, you guys are insane. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that 60, 70% of the population isn't doing what I just described. Hmm. So I agree that I'm not doing that and you're not doing that. And probably a lot of the people listening to this show are not doing that. But the vast majority of people are spending money like there's no tomorrow. And I assure you, there is a tomorrow of some sort. It may not be the tomorrow they're looking for, but tomorrow the bills will come due. I always think about that. When the bills come due, it's not going to be a happy time. So live within your means and we'll leave it at that. And think about this too. I mean, 2023 is but about 60 days away. Something like that too. And we'll talk more about how we can plan for the new year in an upcoming show. Well, I think the takeaway here is to have a comprehensive financial plan that will get you through these financial storms. To get yours, call 417-889-7233 to get and sit down and talk face-to-face with Randy and Jake there at Floyd Financial Group. There's no cost. There's no obligation. Most importantly, there is no judgment. Chance for you to get to know Randy and Jake and for them to get to know you and design a financial plan that will get you to and through retirement. Once again, 417-889-7233 or you can request your plan online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Gentlemen, out of time for this week. Jake and I are going fishing. We hope everybody else has a great Saturday for Randy and Jake. I'm Jeff Shade. Get out. Have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 FM KSGF where Springfield comes to talk.